0: From Community Public Radio, this is the CPR News. From New York, I'm Don DeBar. Today we go to Moscow to speak with analyst and lecturer Mark Sloboda about the, uh, same thing we spoke about last week i guess mark which is the uh developing or ripening or maybe it's ripened already conflict in and around ukraine with the u.s nato and russia um and bit part being played by the ukrainians and germans welcome first of all
1: yeah don thanks for having me it's always an honor and a pleasure to be on cpr our pleasure um so yeah um well, I guess the big news in the past few days is that we have seen a little flurry of diplomatic activity launched by the Europeans. Uh, and uh, we saw uh, on the same day, on Monday, we saw uh, Emmanuel Macron, the, the uh, president of France, um, visit uh, Moscow and speak to Putin. And we saw uh, the new chancellor of Germany, Olaf uh, Scholz. Um, go to Washington D.C. and speak to Joe Biden. And this, I find this uh, division of labor in in a kind of an attempt to play a mediator role between the two after U.S. Russian talks have failed, uh, kind of interesting. Yeah,
0: well, Macron is um, no De Gaulle, for example.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Macron is is no Napoleon. He's no De Gaulle. Of course, he has pretensions of being both.
0: He's about um, he's about Napoleon's height, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I I think I think he's uh, married to Napoleon's mother or something Here you like go. that. There <laughs> you go. Um. Anyway. Um. So he he came to Moscow and evidently Putin and Macron spoke for like six hours. Um. And they came out of the meeting uh, into a a joint press conference uh, where they were pretty much while they seem to have reached the conclusion that. Dialogue will continue, which dialogue was going to continue at this point anyway. uh, So I'm not so sure it was a major, major accomplishment. But uh, Macron uh, jetted just the next day uh, to Ukraine to speak to Zelensky. Uh, But they, uh, Macron and Putin were talking past each other, basically, uh, at the joint press conference uh, while uh still maintaining some type of cordial. the russian president even referred to macron with the familiar form uh of you uh rather than the the more normal formal form which is is seen as uh, some type of uh friendly personalization or something
0: right t um, not, not v yeah yeah
1: uh, t instead of we um the thing is that um As soon as Macron was basically out of Russia, uh, he left saying that they had discussed some proposals and Russia said, well, you know, we're willing to discuss these proposals. uh, But there's no word on what these proposals were whatsoever. Um, Macron uh, left Moscow and almost as soon as he did, we had anonymous French officials telling the Financial Times that uh, Russia had agreed to. Um, one that, uh, when, uh, joint Russian, belarusian military drills in Belarus are over on February 20th, that Russia would bring those, uh, troops home rather than keep them in Belarus, uh, and so on, which if there is not to be an intervention, of course that, you know, they would do anyway. Um, but, um, then he also said that an agreement was reached, where that Russia would begin no new military uh, initiatives uh, regarding or near Ukraine. Um, okay, that seems to have been a major, you know, diplomatic coup. You know, breaking the tensions here and everything. The only problem with that. What's the is-
0: consideration for that? What did What What do they get in exchange?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there was no word on that. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it was not said by Macron and it was not said by uh, Putin, uh, either of them, uh, in their press conference immediately following this meeting. And then, sure enough, a few hours later, the Russian presidential spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, yeah. comes out and says, uh, no, actually, we didn't agree to any of that. <laughs> um, and not it's actually impossible for us to come to any type of agreement with France, uh, because this is all concerning NATO and France is just a member of NATO, uh, you know, and but the U.S. leads it. So how could we come to a deal with France? Right. I'm uh, basically saying, uh, who the hell is France? <laughs> um, so, uh, this seems, right. you know, have been an attempt to put. Uh, macron back in his place but here's the game macron is in a tight election year um he's running uh for re-election um and uh there's right now the polls show that only 25 percent of the french are willing to vote for him uh as president again um that doesn't, I mean, there's a, a, a wide range of candidates. Uh, so, uh, you know, the other candidates are, are still uh, behind him by a few points, but it's a tight race.
0: Marina and Le Pen Macron- is out there saying, by the way, uh, this the whole idea of having hostilities with Russia is insane. In the French national interest, which is what I'm concerned with, it's in our interest to be friends and trading partners with Russia. And she's climbing the polls with that.
1: Yeah, actually, there, there are two right wing and two left wing candidates on either side of Macron, all of whom are in favor of better relations with Russia and chilling relations with NATO. Yeah. So that actually explains a lot about Macron's diplomatic initiative to come here uh, and the statements he made afterwards, which were dismissed by the Kremlin. Uh, can I just give? One,
0: can, let me just insert one piece of historical context here. NATO's original headquarters were in Paris, and uh, it, De Gaulle made them move it basically when about a year or two before De Gaulle actually pulled out of NATO. I think that was he pulled out in '66. I think they made, he, he made them move to headquarters out of the headquarters '64. Military command. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's, it's it's a military alliance.
1: <laughs> and there are there are political, uh, uh, large political aspects to it too. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah
0: but the headquarters um, moved to brussels then
1: yeah uh, well uh, and sarkozy uh, brought it back uh in, in you know just over the last decade um into nato's military command um, oh, yeah, for sure but macron is no de gaulle of course um, yes as we've already said um macron was playing to his domestic audience one he he is You know, showing a diplomatic initiative to Russia, trying to cut off that argument right there, uh, which gets some traction with the French population, Um, you know, that the the relations with Russia should not be so tense. Uh, But more than that, he's playing the grand statesman. And the idea that he could bring some great foreign policy victory home presents France as – an important country on the world stage, which it's not really so much, and Macron as the great grand statesman leader of that France. Uh, unfortunately, it's all fake, uh, and the Kremlin yeah. said, uh, "We didn't agree to any of that. What are you talking about?" Yeah. Uh, but you know, the the, the headlines of most of the papers don't cover the, the Russian reply that we didn't actually agree right. to any of that. Not only we couldn't, we but you know. Uh, you know, an agreement is only possible with the US because they lead NATO, not France. So uh, – but this is mostly French domestic politics. Um, supposedly, whatever proposals that Macron brought to Zelensky, which I would assume have to do with finally forcing the regime in Kiev to um, – agreed to the Minsk Accords, to fulfill the Minsk Accords that they agreed to, that Zelensky reaffirmed at, with the Steinmeier formula, uh, that have laid unfulfilled uh, since 2015. And we just, in recent days, had the head of the Kiev regime uh, National uh, Security Security and Defense Council, Alexei Danilov, say that to fulfill the Minsk Accords would mean the destruction of Ukraine. And what he means is not the destruction of Ukraine. He means the destruction of the regime that seized power in Ukraine uh, in in 2014 because uh, if they started to fulfill it, the ultra-nationalists, bandarite fascists who are now integrated throughout – the military, the police, the security services, the mainstream political parties, etc. They they would revolt. There would be another Maidan, uh, and it would be against uh, you know Zelensky against you know the government there, and and it would be utter and complete chaos. Which of course Russia knows very well. Uh, I mean, this there's not uh, right. That's not an attractive. no question, right. but right. they're trying that way to show the political instability in Ukraine and how much the government there, the regime in Kiev does depend on the far right as their brown shirts, you know, they were the vanguard of the Maidan. They were the forefront of uh, the initial attacks on Donbass uh, until they managed to purge and get control of the military. Uh, and, and you know, they are still the, the, um, the ideological backing and the main political support be behind the regime. Uh, and Zelensky's own approval ratings have dropped from 75% when he was first elected on some fake promises of bringing peace to the country and are now down in the low 20s. Uh, so obviously the, the country is is mm-hmm. reacting to him not bringing peace one way or, or, or the other. Um, so um, he evidently did not respond well to what we presume is an uh, a, a renewed push uh for kiev to fulfill the minsk accords and once again said that he would never meet directly with the political leaders in donbass because they are just russian proxies they're they're not real political representatives mm. never mind of course that russia has since adopted the policy that there's no reason for moscow to talk to Zelensky, or anyone in Kiev, because they're just U.S. proxies, so they they just deal with the U.S.
0: And not only that, you know, the the Rada outlawed the actual representatives under Ukrainian law of the people in the East.
1: Yes, yes, and... The um, head of the opposition bloc, which is the the main political party now of East Ukraine after the Communist Party was banned and the Party of Regions was lustrated, they, it took them several years. They reformed as the opposition bloc and just um, uh, last year, um, the opposition bloc was uh, – some polls were starting to show it as the most popular political party in the country right. and right then – Zelensky goes after them. He shuts down every media outlet, TV, uh, uh, web, uh, radio, anything uh, that represents the political voices of East Ukraine uh, and and is critical of his government uh, from that perspective. And he just shut them down. He banned them all. And the leader of the opposition bloc, Viktor Medvedchuk, is uh, now being charged with politicized treason charges, which is ironically enough, the same treason charges he then and brought against his other political opponent, the, the former Kiev uh, putsch uh, president, the candy oligarch, Petro Poroshenko. They're both being charged with the same ridiculous charges, which are that they were both involved in deals um, in 2015 to get coal from the Donbass, because that's where the majority of Ukraine's coal that's was. where the coal is. But but because the people of Donbass, you know, uh, not accepting the overthrow of the government that they had overwhelmingly elected uh, in 2014, um, they are terrorists. <laughs> this is because this is what Kiev right. labeled them. And uh, uh, Poroshenko them. and Medvedchuk are both terrorists. Uh, committed treason by right. conducting economic deals to get the energy right. that 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 the government material
0: support from, for terrorism. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, material support for terror Yeah, it, that's how ridiculous it is. And he's gone after both of his major political opponents with this. They're both facing treason charges. Uh, Medvedchuk is under house arrest, and Poroshenko. You know, of course, the irony there is Poroshenko brought treason charges against the guy that he overthrew, um, Yanukovych. Yeah, it's a tradition. Uh, so there's a little a little bit of karma coming back on him there.
0: Well, from him though, when you get the uh, and, indictment, it comes with yeah. a box of chocolate. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Put yeah. Uh, Putin even did a bit of trolling on him during his uh, press conference with Macron, right? And he offered Poroshenko Amnesty. political asylum. <laughs> asylum, right? Yeah. Of course, with. Yeah, he rejected it uh, yesterday yeah, uh, right? for yeah. the political persecution. But what he's doing is pointing out that despite all the rhetoric to the contrary, oh, Ukraine is a free, democratic, sovereign country. Uh, no, now, uh, you know, uh, the regime since 2014, is Orwellian. It is the exact opposite of democracy. Right. right. I mean, they are having, quote, elections, unquote, literally under the barrel, not just of a gun but the shelling of Grad and right. Azov jackboots, right. you know, a brown shirt jackboots Absol- uh, in East a- yep, Ukraine. Actual ones. Um, yep. With major political parties, all the major leftist parties in the country banned, um, other parties lustrated, uh, Pogrom convinced of their leaders, three million Ukrainians uh, uh, living and uh, in, who most of them were, actually there's about five million living, three million who fled from East Ukraine, fled from their own, Kiev regime's offensive on the Donbass to subjugate them to their seizure of power in Kiev. They fled there. This All these Ukrainians living and working in aggressor Russia, some 3 to 5 million of them, they can't vote back home. Whereas all of the Ukrainians elsewhere abroad in the world can go and vote their embassies. Right?
0: right um, in Canada, the for Ukrainians example.
1: Ukrainians in Poland, Ukrainians in, in Canada, the US, UK, they can all vote. But the largest group of ukrainians abroad in russia they can't vote why because they're politically un- not not because russia would control the election inside the ukrainian embassy but because they're politically unreliable right they're, they're they might the, vote the, against them <laughs> the not anti-russian ukrainians uh so you know that that view is no longer acceptable and that that is very much ethno-political uh cleansing uh of you know uh, of a form and Zelensky, you know himself said that if a Ukrainian citizen feels himself to be Russian, he should go to Russia. He should get out of the country. The problem with that, of course, of the Ukrainian population is Russian, uh, particularly in East Ukraine. And uh, on top of that, much of the rest of the population of East Ukraine and no small part of Central Ukraine regards Russians as brothers. Other fraternal peoples just separated by a border and are often intermarried. So you can't even tell what is an ethnic Russian and what is an ethnic Ukrainian. Uh, so, um, you know, but that is the the political ideology of the new uh, Ukraine, of, of the Kiev regime that, uh, you know, having uh, feelings uh, of, uh, you know, fraternity with Russia that is no longer acceptable. That is that is treason that is a traitorous uh uh, 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 and you know the policy continues of course there will not be peace in ukraine Uh, that is the internal divide that ukrainian presidents previous to this have always balanced by not swinging too hard to either of the contradictory ukrainian national identities in west ukraine which is very anti-russian because of their history uh that you know, they were part of the Austro Hungarian Commonwealth, the Polish Lithuanian com- uh, uh or, sorry, the Austro Hungarian Empire, the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth, and, uh, you know, large numbers of them in Galicia welcomed the Nazi invaders Germany. with open arms and helped them perpetuate the, the Holocaust. And those are declared the new heroes of Ukraine, the yeah. founding fathers, because it's the only. If you're going to manufacture an anti-Russian Ukraine, it is the only point in Ukrainian history where there was an anti-Russian Ukraine. So that's all they have to fall back on. And that's why you have even a nominally of Jewish descent president like Zelensky happy to support, uh, you know, to uh, have neo-Nazis throughout his uh, military, police, security services, National Guard, the major political parties, because their hate is directed primarily for the moment against ethnic Russians, Solvok, right. East Ukrainians, and leftists.
0: Right. You know, uh, let me uh, just say, you know, when, the, the, you neo-Nazi, know the neo-Nazi the label... ...the continuation but, of this regime. I'm sorry. Uh, the... The neo-Nazi label to me, like, you know, we're talking like David Duke, you know, people that have like a new ideology that that sounds in uh, the Nazi fascism, Nazi version of fascism. But when they're worshiping the guys who, you know, were like welcoming Hitler, I don't know if neo applies. And that the way they march and those uh, torchlight things, I mean, there's some updating. I think it's Nazi 2.0, maybe instead of neo-Nazi, it's more like Nazi (laughs) 2.0.
1: They're they're old school homegrown yeah. Ukrainian West Ukrainian bandera fascists. Yep. You know, uh, who regard the organization of Ukrainian nationalists and the Ukrainian insurgent armies as as, you know, um heroes right. rather than butchers who massacred Jews, Poles, R- Russians, East Ukrainians, you know, and, and fought alongside Hitler right. uh, up until the end. Um so um
0: Millions Anyways, of them, so by Zelensky the way, folks. did not ex- accept... Millions of them, by the way.
1: Yeah, millions of them. So anyway, Zelensky evidently did not respond well to any idea of, uh, you know, making him fulfill the Minsk Accords. And the reason why the Minsk Accords is the way out of this is, first of all, it would bring political... It would end the civil conflict in the country, right? Uh, yeah. It would re- make Ukraine... Something along the model of Bosnia Herzegovina, uh, you know, with with the uh, Bosnian Serbs on one side uh, and and uh, the the uh, uh, Muslim Bosnia Herzegovinans on the other, but you know, making them in a uh, joint um, country uh, with with broad uh, federalization that that keeps the country you know more or less neutral um, and you know is is just manages. The country more than anything else. And it has to be remembered that Ukraine was peaceable since 92, primarily because they were neutral. They did not swing either to the West or to Russia. They did not join NATO. They did not join the collective. Security Treaty Organization. Uh, they were going to join the EU, but that wasn't seen a, at the time as as hostile. Right. Until Yanukovych took a look at the neoliberal shock therapy dicta and said, "Well, oh, well, this would economically break the country and 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 you know whatever that you know the political power of any if any government that brought it in, because it would unemploy tens of millions of people uh, and and bankrupt the state and everything else.
0: That's a political uh, so, liability." Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, but, um, and and that is the, the sin of two thousand fourteen of the Maidan is right. that the US was no longer happy with a neutral Ukraine. It was a gray political space on the board that had to be geopolitically consolidated while they still could do it. And and that hence that was Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Piat and, and John McCain, you know, openly cheerleading and, and picking uh, you know, on the insurrection in the country. Um and um um uh, uh, picking the new who who the new government uh, of Ukraine would be as they were caught on tape planning it out, uh, while disparaging the EU as as not no. really getting a say in the process.
0: Yeah. By the way, I, but uh, Vicky Newland was supposed to be the uh, State Department uh, special representative for European affairs, saying that saying those words about Europe.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. So um yeah Zelensky has evidently not responded well to Macron's proposals um and that seems to to again you know return us to a a diplomatic stagnation uh where it, um you know the, the Minsk accords would provide a way out of this because without NATO promising that they would not bring Ukraine into NATO Ukraine would not be able to join NATO because uh, with a federalized country, an autonomous Donbass would always have a veto over that. Right. So it is a way out of it, right? where NATO is not necessarily conceding anything, political stability and reconciliation is brought to Ukraine, and Ukraine is once again a neutral country that right. doesn't go to NATO and doesn't go to the Russian-led Collective Security Treaty Organization. Right. It would seem to be the way out of this, but it would mean the end of the regime in Kiev. And they've been quite open about that, right. and uh, they they will not accept that. Meanwhile, Olaf Scholz, the German chancellor, goes oh, yeah. to um, uh, Washington, and they try to present the idea that they are some unilateral front against uh, you know Russian uh, uh, invasion of Ukraine. Um, and that there will be some uh, a complete unity and agreed upon response. And right after that, Joe Biden talks starts talking about how the Russian German pipeline Nord Stream two, if if Russia intervenes, will be dead. That it will never come online. And Olaf Scholz is sitting quietly beside him, like a Stockholm <laughs> syndrome victim, right. saying nothing. A deer caught in the headlights. Because of course, you know. This is the president of the United States dictating, you know, once again, trying to dictate Germany's energy security, uh, showing how much foreign policy agency Germany actually has. Right. And he didn't agree to it. He didn't say yes. He didn't say, yes, we've agreed to that. He just sat there quiet and. Um, one, because, of course, German businesses very much want this pipeline because they need it. They need the energy and they want to get back to doing business in Russia, which is, uh, you know, a, a potential very big market for well, them. That's which another question. denied yet. them since the sanctions regime. And um, at the same time, he's got to deal with his fragile coalition government with the Greens mm. and Elena Bayerbach, the head of the un- – uh, They are the Green Party of Germany that is pro-U.S. imperialism and anti-Russian. I I don't understand what that has to do with green
0: politics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, she is the foreign minister. That was, you know, the deal uh, with the coalition government. And right. she would love to kill Nord Stream, too, because I guess it'd be better to go back to burning coal.
0: <laughs> or would, like from, Putin suggested, uh, which they'd also uh, have to get be, from Siberia. Yeah. But, you know, just want real quick. Which, yeah, go, they'd also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on, uh, also, what you know percolating on, underneath this are millions of Germans who are choosing on a monthly basis between paying their heating bill in the freezing winter or buying food.
1: Yeah, they're not the only ones. There's lots of people in Europe, yeah, and, the UK, but wh- and even in the U.S. Yeah. having to make those uh, make those choices. So anyway, it would seem. There's a diplomatic uh, stalemate now. Uh, There is no unity among NATO, either on sanctions response. Uh, Croatia, Slovakia and Hungary are really bucking at the very even the possibility that NATO could get involved in Ukraine, which they've said that they won't. Both the U.S. and and, uh, NATO have said that, Mm. but uh, they're bucking hard even at the possibility that they that could happen with the Croatians promising to pull all their troops out of NATO military commands and, and, and so on. So there's no unity uh, uh, on NATO military or there's no unity uh, on, uh, uh, you know, any type of sanctions policy. Right. Um, and um, there's also uh, no clear diplomatic path forward if the U.S. is not willing to pressure uh Their client state in Kiev to actually fulfill the Minsk Accords, which ultimately is probably the most important factor behind all of this. Meanwhile, the Russian military buildup. As all of this talking is going on continues, again, this isn't right on Ukraine's border, but it is yeah. in staging areas right. within Western Russia, um, and now in Belarus, uh, some thirty thousand Russian troops in Belarus.
0: Yeah, they're preparing defenses um, and 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 uh, offensive counter moves, basically, in the event they're anticipating a war could come, and they're preparing for it.
1: They also could be considering a military intervention as the only, uh, right. you know, if. I mean, if the regime in Kiev refuses the Minsk Accords and and NATO refuses, you know, any type of security guarantees, I do believe that, you know, of Russia, the president has spoken of, uh, you know, that they would take their security then into their own hands if diplomacy fails right. uh, and take appropriate military technical measures, Right. which is the Russian government's way of saying that all options are on the table. And right. one of those options is a military intervention in Ukraine. And, you know, if you take a look at the types of forces that Russia is assembling, you know, at a distance back from Ukraine, a lot of it is they have brought amphibious landing ships from as far away as the Baltic fleet and the Caspian, which are now in the Black Black Sea. Sea. They just passed through the Dardanelles. Uh, That would be used for amphibious assaults. Uh, theoretically on Odessa and other points in the Black Sea. They are moving large numbers of the Russian National Guard, Ruskvardia, west. What would they be used for? They would be used for occupation to provide uh, security um, of any occupied area. Um, We've also seen large numbers of systems like the S 400, uh, electronic warfare units, uh, and, and other forces, um, uh, some, uh, fighter units in Belarus, their only realistic purpose is to provide cover to make sure that NATO does not intervene if Russia intervenes. The military option is still very much on the table as the diplomatic option continues to move forward.
0: And we'll pick it up there next week. Mark, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And that's all the news we have for you right now. For Community Public Radio, I'm Don DeBar in New York. Thanks for listening.